0: Hey everyone and welcome to this week's Invisible Not Broken. I had an incredible interview with Rebecca, who I had first heard from a while ago. And in her pre-interview, we ended up just chatting for I think an hour about how similar things were for us, um, just being sick kids and having been through life with ballet, and what it was like to really have to change course uh, when you're just trying to figure out what a course is. Uh, Rebecca has Crohn's disease, which is mostly what she's dealing with right now. She's had fibromyalgia, CFS. Um, she's had a lot of chronic pain issues, but like you'll hear in the beginning of our talk, uh, chronic pain is not the worst of what she's dealing with right now. What you're going to hear about is um, something I really want to talk her to talk publicly about, which is what life is like on a system of socialized medicine, because it's probably not what you're thinking it is like if you're here in America and you're hearing um, things just from politicians. It's a little different, and it's really important to hear um, her side of it and what it's actually like to be on that system. Um, you're going to hear about what it's like to be sick in both systems because she now lives here in the United States. So she has a lot to say about what life is like here as opposed to over in Australia as far as how people are taken care of. Um, you're going to hear some of the best advice ever on how to be kind to your spoonie. So if you are sick, here are ways that you can ask for help and for what you need from others. If you are supporting someone who is sick, these are some really clear-cut ways that you can be of real, honest help to them. Um, we also had a long talk about body image and illness and a lot about mental health and chronic illness, which is actually going to come back very soon for another episode. We did record this the day before the election, so it might be a little fiery than more than usual, um, but I really think you're going to enjoy listening to us all the way through, no matter what your viewpoint is. Again, mental health and chronic illness, that's um, it's a big issue we all have to to decide and discover and and talk about. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Please share us with a friend, anyone you think who would enjoy, wants to, or would need to listen to this podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Invisible Not Broken. I have a wonderful guest who I pretty much kidnapped the first time we talked on the phone. I think we are on the phone for about an hour and a half chatting. This is Rebecca, and she comes with the usual um, encyclopedia amount of things wrong. Um, I was trying to come up with a word for like when you have letters together and they make an acronym, an entire encyclopedia of of acronyms. So Crohn's, uh, fibromyalgia, CFS, and um, you can start talking from there.
1: Hello. Well, thank you for having me on.
0: I am really glad to get another chance to chat with you. It was crazy how much we had in common from like ballet backgrounds to being sick kids. Like...
1: Yeah, I know. I think we were on the phone for like, I think, 55 minutes when we kind of were just having our initial, do you want to come on the show <laughs> chat? And then I was like, oh my God, it's in
0: an hour. Yeah. So warning um, everyone, if you do get me on the phone, I might actually kidnap you for an entire hour just chatting.
1: <laughs> no, it was lovely. It was lovely hearing about your background. But yeah, I'm. Um, I've I've had quite a long health journey. I've just turned 32 and I've been unwell since I was 15. Um, so all those, all those letters that you were talking about have manifested over the years. It started with chronic pain, uh, which, well, I was actually a dancer. I was a ballet dancer. I was training at a very elite level. Uh, I had to get surgery on both my ankles and to this day, I believe that's the reason that I got unwell. I was a tiny little thing. I reacted to the general anesthetic, and everything just went wrong after that. I was a very healthy athletic kid. Obviously, I was training. Um, yeah, my body started to shut down. So it started to show in the form of chronic pain, which we thought was an injury with ballet. And we went down the, the roads that you would as, as an athlete, with the physical therapy and the physio. And, and nothing, nothing got better. It actually got worse when I stopped dancing and took rest. So... Looking back, it's inflammatory conditions that were beginning in my body. And then uh, that progressed into chronic fatigue, um, my gut shutting down. Uh, yeah, the, the chronic pain was horrific. And for, you know, a girl of 16, 17, who had lost her life, had lost her dream, had left school because I'd left school to, to pursue this and was doing homeschooling. Uh, I'd flipped school and and ballet around. I was dancing all day and doing school at night, so I lo- I lost that and that that um that progressed into mental health issues. As as you and all your listeners know, kind of, are the nice not nice cousin to to our illnesses. It's it's the loneliness. It's the depression. It's the anxiety. Uh, yeah. And then my gut my gut decided to go as as most of us do because the gut's kind of everything. If if your body's off, your gut goes. And I was diagnosed with Crohn's six years ago. So it's been a it's been a long you know, I've been unwell for about eighteen years, but it's been a, a progression of all these other kind of breakdowns of my body. So the chronic pain is less so now. I still am in pain, but predominantly it's Crohn's disease and all the associated things with that.
0: It's amazing to me like the deals we make as we get sicker, where it's like, what what constitutes as chronic pain is not your biggest issue means that there's something else that has gotten really bad. Like, yes. it's so crazy. Like Anyone in chronic pain, even at a level three or four, constantly who isn't used to it, that's a big deal. But then all of a it's like, but my stomach is imploding. So that, that chronic pain is not the biggest issue anymore. It's, it's not like it got better always. It's sometimes like, well, there's this other thing that's so much worse over here.
1: A hundred percent. You know, it's that... The- when the chronic pain was that I couldn't get out of bed um, but the depression was worse and then you know when I couldn't start digesting food I mean I just couldn't and I was throwing up and I actually I, I knew that Crohn's looking back had been bubbling for many years but it was not until I actually collapsed and couldn't get out of bed um, Although it took them a long time to work out it was Crohn's, I was well. I was twenty five at that stage, um, and I got turned away from the ER twice because they thought I just had a stomach flu. And a couple of my doctor friends have confirmed to me that they kind of pin younger women as hysterical in a way. It's like, all right, darling, you just go go now. You just got a stomach flu. Just have some rice and and chicken soup, and you'll be fine. Um, but I couldn't. I couldn't leave bed, I was losing weight, I was throwing up, I had all the other, you know, delightful symptoms, and then it was only when I started bleeding that they actually took notice. I was like, no, no, you shouldn't be bleeding out of that part of your body.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that, that would definitely be a, at least concrete sign, um, So we're separated by a few decades and a continent. Um, So I'm really curious how it was for you to get diagnosed. It sounds like, from what you're saying, it's not that different from what young women, even of my generation over here in the United States, go through of this weird idea that even the women's pain threshold is significantly higher than men's. And I'm seriously not beating on men. This is not that kind of talk. But I will say scientifically, women do handle chronic pain better. And we still get told that we're being hysterical like <laughs> the joke with my family is my dad can sneeze and his doctors like we will get every test known to man for you and my mom could be like hobbling everywhere oh here's an aspirin but don't get addicted to the aspirin like it's this weird dichotomy of how women and men are treated and it's interesting to hear that's the same in australia even fairly recently
1: yeah and i i, I don't think like most of this discrimination is malicious I, but it it's, it makes you feel crazy. You're like, okay, well, why can't you get up and go to work? Or why, why are you throwing up? Like, just, just suck it up, Becca. But yeah, once, once I started bleeding, my mother was like, no, no, you are taking her and <laughs> yeah. you are listening to her and we're getting her into a gastro. And I did all the, you know, they did the colonoscopies, they did the very invasive MRIs, and they actually thought I had cancer for a little while because it shone up of white blood cells and yeah he's like um it might I think you have Crohn's disease, but there's a possibility that you might have lymphoma um just for the amount of uh, white blood cells that have appeared he said it very low faire as well like no so Rebecca um I was going in to get some I was swallowing a pill cam and I remember I had to go and get the actual camera um to get attached and he's he the specialist pulled me into his office and he goes. Yeah, no, so like we've noticed that you're, you know, there's the part that that is diseased. The bowel has shrunk by, I think it was three times. So it was just this kind of ulcerated mess. So so we do think it's Crohn's disease, but there is a possibility um, because of the amount of white blood cells and all the other medical things he was talking about, there's a possibility that you have lymphoma. Um, I was on the phone to radio, like he, and I was just sitting there. Like my mother was in the car just doing laps of the block because she thought I was just going up to get, you know, like a, a, a fanny pack attached to the camera, you know, operating thing. And I, it was just like, oh, uh, okay. Um, he's like, no, no, but we'll uh, we'll keep talking and we're going to, anyway, I remember getting down and mum's like, you got it. And I was like, okay, do you want to just pull over for a moment? Um, there might be a possibility that I have cancer. Um, so that was, that was a really fun, you know, I think that was a few days. And then um, they went down the Crohn's route and all those horrible medications. But yeah, it's, and I'm laughing about it because I think that's what we have to do and I do think that I have a keen sense of humor now and a sharpened sense of humor because that's what we do it's we laugh it off we go oh yeah no it's fine like I I call myself I'm a vommy person I vomit a lot and someone laughed and said are you serious is did you just laugh with that I go oh yeah I just vomit sometimes it's just what I do and they're like becca that's not okay and I'm like okay that's just you know, it's just me. <laughs> I, I, there's so much to there. I mean. <laughs> I know, right? I, I don't have cancer, so that's great.
0: Well, I was just thinking that's about the only way you could tell someone that they have Crohn's and make them happy. Like, it's. I, I know,
1: right? <laughs> Maybe I that's a philosophy.
0: You,
1: did, you didn't get the big, you didn't get the big C. You just got another. The
0: little C that will like haunt yeah. your life
1: forever. That yeah, one. It'll just make you miserable and make you kind of really feel unattractive and make dating really hard. So, but it's fine, like you don't have lymphoma. <laughs> but you don't have lymphoma. So, hey, there's that. Well done, you. Um, I was
0: debating whether I was going to go one or two ways. So I'm going to ask you about what it's like to be sick in Australia because that's a lot of tests. And I'm, like, doing the math in my head really fast because I'm here in California, and uh, you've moved over here to the United States. No one arrests her. She's here She's here totally legally. Please don't don't come after her. Um, but i I just wondering, like, you're talking about in just one of the tests at least a house payment or at least a house. Um, how is that affordable for you guys in Australia? Or do you have that wonderful system set up where your parents didn't have to take out a mortgage for this?
1: No, so we have universal health care in Australia. We have something called Medicare. Wow, um, and that works! Yeah, I know, right? So <laughs> we do still have private health care as well. And if you earn if you're over 30 and you're earning over quite a large amount of money, you do get taxed if you're not in the private health system, which is understandable because they're obviously just trying to remove the burden from the public health system. Um, But you are in Medicare the day you're born. You can get a Medicare card and uh, basically it's, we've got your back, you know, uh, uh, associated with my Crohn's is immunity. I have very, very poor immunity, which I'm constantly trying to work on. So I got just, a slew of chest infections that would put me in the ER a lot of times and I would walk out without a bill. I'd get all the x-rays, I'd get the drip and all that type of thing. So, um, yeah, all those, all those things are covered or if not, you pay a minimal amount. My colonoscopies, uh, the observational surgeries I've had have been covered. So yeah, I, I think about it, you know, I've been in America now for over two and a half years and it's it's staggering to me had this been you know five you know five to seven years ago when I was incredibly unwell I just I couldn't have afforded it and you know I'm lucky that if something goes wrong I can go back to Australia I have I have wonderful health insurance here but still I pay through the nose and I still can't really use it because of the co-pays uh yeah and I, I you know, my fiance's American, Um, our children will be half American. I'm becoming very engaged in, obviously I can't vote, but I'm becoming very engaged in the social policy policy and and politics of it. And I, it makes me so sad. It makes me want to cry. Just people, people don't want to be unwell. It's not their fault that they become unwell. And I just go, how do they afford this? They don't, they get sick and they die. Um, You know, and and I, I struggle to to maintain or manage my Crohn's here as much as I could in Australia because the complementary therapies and the integrative things are just too expensive here I can't I can't afford to go get acupuncture I can't afford to go and get the massages that help with the pain or all sorts of things so I understand, you know, not getting too political. Even though I know you like getting political. Oh, me? Uh, just you know, I I don't
0: know when did this actually. I mean, honestly, I will say something really quick because I have a lot of family who listens who do not agree with me politically. I don't understand how this is political. I what I'm saying right now, I do not get why this would set me up as being a Democrat or a Republican when I say that every human being deserves the right to have medicine. If they are sick, to have housing. If they are without housing, to have food, if they are without food. And by the way, I'm not a Christian, but everyone who seems to believe this says they are. And I am saying that if you are, listen to what the guy actually said, and this shouldn't be a political issue. You should be on any side of the fence and say human dignity is important. So that's the the political message I have that is bipartisan the day before voting. This is when we're recording, everyone. So if I sound a little fiery than usual, I have been yelling for two days. So that's why. (laughs)
1: Yes, please go vote. I can't vote. Please go vote. Just
0: <laughs> this will be out, out. way afterwards right. though, this is going to be out so far after tomorrow, and uh, I'm I, I have faith in all of us that we'll get it together. But I'm really, I really wanted you to explain the healthcare system because I think in the United States we have this idea that socialized healthcare means that. It is a free for all for everyone and that is very hard to sustain, impossible to sustain if you are using American's way of pricing medicine. That's another episode, but it is much more sustainable when you're asking the people who can pay into the system to pay into the system at an affordable rate. That's possible.
1: The the motto I, I generally say about Australia is that if push comes to shove, they've got your back. Yeah, that's crazy to me because I feel like here it's,
0: like, pushing you off a cliff. Oh, you're sick? Well, guess what? Your credit rating is going down. Oh, you're sick? You're too sick to pay your your student loan bills? Well, that's going to completely destroy you for the rest of your life. Like, it feels like the second you start to stumble in the United States, you get, like, smashed. But I didn't want to do this all day. I had so much more to ask you about, and I will so easily slide off the rails onto this. So you are still very young. You were dealing with this as a young woman. And you're talking about things that I know here in the United States, I don't know how it is in Australia, but it's stuff that usually is things that are, you know, stomach issues are usually played for laughs, or they're embarrassing. And I can't imagine what that was like at your age dealing with that and dating and friends and sleepovers.
1: It was really hard. And it- I look back now, so I was diagnosed when I was about 25, 26, it's all a bit blurry, but as I said, the stomach issues were bubbling away for a very long time, and, you know, when you start going out as a young girl, um, you know, well, we can go out when you're 18 in Australia. Oh, <laughs> um, my son
0: is probably on the next plane right now.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, so you know, there was a lot of times where I just went, no, I'm not sick. And I just threw caution to the wind. I'm like, I'm going out till 5am. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But I would pay for it. I would pay for it in, in all sorts of ways. Um, and, and yeah, even just going on dates or, you know, meeting someone and, and kind of having to explain, oh, by the way, oh, I can't eat that. It starts, it starts, that's how it starts with me because there's a lot of foods that I can't eat that make me very unwell and it's, it's funny in LA when, when I got to restaurants, I'm like, I'm not one of those people that say they can't eat this and then they do that and it's just trendy. I'm like, I'm actually sick and it will make me very unwell. And it, and it actually had, I, I have been poisoned by a restaurant here when I was like, no, I can't have dairy. It's make me very unwell. And the waitress just, she didn't know and i got a flare up from that but anyway um, yeah, i can so that- hear
0: Kiro screaming in agreement from the future when he listens to this episode that's his biggest pet peeve is the idea like that people would assume that are people thinking allergies or up playing things that aren't allergies but are pre- food preferences because when and wait so you, let's not take the blame onto people doing things let's put the blame where it belongs on wait staff who want to prove a point because that's happened here in the United States just last year. Someone wanted to prove a point that the girl ordering the diabetic soda was not diabetic and gave her a regular soda, and she ended up, I don't remember if she died or not, but that did happen here. So I'm going to put this squarely on the people who are doing bullshit. It doesn't matter if the person has a food preference or it's an allergy. If they say no, it's just no. Let's just generally get that through our society's head. Absolutely. Can you tell us an election
1: week? I can't stop on talking points. (laughs) I I will stop. I will try. Um... But you also- no, it was, it was really hard. and My fiance is very protective of me. So I think b- between us, we had asked seven times because it was a puree or something. Anyway, it, yeah, it just, just things like that. So it, that's where it starts with me getting into relationships in any form, whether it's a friendship or it's a man or whatever. It's, it's very challenging. And you feel like you have to, there's little post-it notes or little kind of uh footnotes oh by the way i can't do this or oh, by the way and it's this constant need to feel like you have to validate or explain yourself and i kind of made a motto this year it was like no 2018 is the year i stop validating myself stop validating my existence stop apologizing oh. for who <laughs> i am it's it's a constant thing and i am i you know it it said it's been 18 years of of dealing with something that you kind of have to go oh by the way no i can't do that it yeah it's it sucks.
0: <laughs> I mean, you bring a point of, like, I say I'm always singing for my supper because I rely on people to, I can't really drive very much. So it's like, well, I better be entertaining during that drive. I better be on. I better be funny. I better be something to justify why someone's taking their time to be with the yeah. sick girl. <laughs> like,
1: it's yeah. weird. It's,
0: you're, you really put that into some good words there.
1: Yeah, and then that thing of, you know, someone making food for you that you can eat. Which, yeah. again, you know, obviously making sure there's no wheat in that dressing, I, I I appreciate that. But it's also you don't have to go above and beyond. Like it's not you just saying, oh, no, I don't need that. It's like, no, actually, that will make me throw up. So, yeah, yeah it is. And I, I think that ties in with being the sick girls, with being the lesser with all that, all, all that type of rhetoric that goes around that because we haven't been able to necessarily achieve the things that we've wanted to do or we've been, you know, oh, sorry, I can't come home in bed or or I can't take that job or I can't go on that holiday and you feel like you have to just go above and beyond where it's just, I, I think it just comes with age where it's just like, I'm not <laughs> explaining anymore. I'm just not doing it and it's hard. It is hard and I think it's a woman thing as well because we're brought up to be givers. We're brought up to serve and apologize and, you know, there's all this whole thing going around now like we just – women just say sorry all the time. Like I, I read this post on Instagram and it was like stop saying sorry for things – you know, like I'm one of those people, if someone bumps into me, I say sorry to them. And I'm like, what do you say? <laughs> they bumped into you. So, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there but it is – it's it's hard. It's hard not to feel less than or, or fall into the victim of being the sick girl, which is – is something I really, really try and fight because my illness, my disease, or whatever you want to call it, is not my identity. It's part of me. I uh, I'm not ashamed of it, but it's not who I am. Cro- I'm not I'm not Rebecca Fawcett who has Crohn's disease. I'm Rebecca Fawcett, I'm Australian, I have a journalism degree, <laughs> I'm, i I had three sisters, all those things. And I do find that sometimes if you if you fall victim to that or you you let yourself become it it uh it can come quite overwhelming and kind of get in your brain there and that's not again to dismiss that we we don't have challenges or that we don't we don't deal with stuff on the daily but there is so much more to us than our illness and uh I I think that's something that needs to be nurtured a lot so how was
0: your family support during the time that you were
1: Sick. I have the most amazing family in the whole tower. I think you will make me cry because oh. I just you know I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry you're so far. Now. Um, yeah, I'm one of four girls. I'm the third of four girls. Um, we're incredibly close. I have the most amazing, generous parents. I'm gonna <laughs> I want to cry. I
0: did not mean to make you
1: cry. I'm not Barbara Walters. I uh, we can switch on over to another no, topic. No, no, no. <laughs> I just, it's just. They have been, but can I the-
0: say I hope my daughter like loves me as much as you are thinking about your mom because I hope she's like that.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm I'm sure she does. You're a, you're an extraordinary person. Um,
0: well, geez, make me cry. We're just gonna sit here and cry <laughs> on this. This is a crying episode. Even all before our election results, we're all emotional right now. It's, it's highly <laughs>
1: highly charged atmosphere.
0: <laughs> yes, especially here in California, we are all biting our nails down to the nubs. <laughs>
1: Um, but no, they're, they're incredibly generous. They've, um, you know, going back to, you know, my parents allowing me to leave school to pursue ballet. Um, I was very talented at it. So they, you know, they obviously weren't just letting me quit. Well, I, not that I quit, but you know, I, I, I put my focus into that to when I got unwell to just trying everything possible because, you know, if, if we knew what we knew now, I think a lot of my illness could have been curtailed or the suffering could have been curtailed. But, you know, mum taking me to all the doctors, to all the different therapies, to the psychologists, to the psychiatrists, to just the financial output, you know, and even if we have universal health care, it's still expensive and it's still, you know, yeah, to my sisters, never making me feel less than. To my father, loving me and giving me hugs, and um, the 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 sympathy that I get, and the understanding, and the you know, I'm in a I'm in the kind of back end of a flare at the moment, and just the outpouring of love I get from them, going, I don't know how you get through your day. I'm so sorry, and we're going to help you get better. Um, And I know from a lot of friends who are unwell or have dealt with things in their life, they don't have that family support. I don't know what I would do because there were times where I couldn't work at all, especially when I was first diagnosed with Crohn's. I was lying on my parents' couch getting sicker and sicker with no money at all. And I, yeah, that would have been hard enough in Australia. I I put myself in America and that's how people end up on the street. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm incredibly blessed and I, I am grateful every day for for my family and, and my friends, but my family especially. So that's why I'm getting a bit teary because I don't live in the same city as them anymore. We have a big Pacific Ocean separating us. Um, so it can be it can be tricky, especially when, you know, the past few weeks when I have been flaring where you just have to go inward and it gets quite lonely. Sometimes you just want a hug from your mom or your mom, as you would say.
0: Still, and I'm middle-aged, I still want a hug from my mom to make it okay. okay. So I'm going to ask you a question that will help out all the parents of chronic illness people everywhere and all the friends of people who have chronic illness. Um What's what are the things that they did that really helped? Like when you got diagnosed, when you're at the most vulnerable, what they do that you're like, thank God you did this. Or even when you're in a flare right now, as your fiancee do, where you're like, this is why we're getting married. This is why you're my person.
1: Yeah, that's a, he's a whole other amazing talking point. Um, <laughs> make you feel safe. Mm. Make you feel safe. Uh, make you even though you think it's not going to be OK, tell them it's going to be OK, because it will be. It will be one way or another it's going to be okay. Uh, say that you're there for them. Say that I hear you. The, often people who are suffering or who are unwell, uh, they don't want n- necessarily you to roadmap the path to success or the path to healing at that acute moment. They want a hug and they want to be told that they're heard and they're seen mm. and that they are enough even even in their most acute flared sick state uh yeah safety is a big thing for me especially when I was on a lot of the really strong medications like the steroids and stuff that just made me loopy I I can't go on them anymore I actually got suicidal on them um Safety was a big thing. I'd I actually have to have people to encase me with a hug and say, you're safe, you're safe, you're safe. And even now my fiancé just with the flare when it was starting and it was getting really bad, I wasn't on any medication, but he said, you're safe, I've got you. And I think that's a really, really powerful thing. Um, it may not be that you've got millions of dollars or that they know how to cure your particular disease, but it's support. It's community and I think that's the biggest thing with people with chronic illnesses, it's that lack of community because you're pulled away from work, you're pulled away from school, you're pulled away from hobbies or any of those things that, that make you feel safe and supported. And I know it's a big burden on families and friends, but those simple words of like I've got you or it's okay are incredibly powerful.
0: <laughs> so you're going to make me cry. Um, yeah, because when you're pulled away from all of those things, you're also being pulled away from anything you put your identity into. If you put your identity in what kind of person you are at school, when you're putting your identity into who you're going to be after school or who you're going to be during this art process, that's been one of the hard things that I've had to go through the last you know, 10 years or so is giving up the business, giving up. My artistic outlets and they keep changing based on whether my wrist decides to stay in place or not. So you're also looking at this massive crisis of identity, but you are so smart because on the verge of starting your life, you already have the basic down on how you stay married which is seeing and hearing someone. That's like from an old married broad here. I will tell you that that is how you raise kids. That's how you have a relationship with anyone, anyone, anywhere, is that the reason things get heated is someone feels unheard or unseen. And see so if got that figured out. You're pretty awesome. <laughs> Good job well, on your f- mom it's- and dad.
1: <laughs> oh, I spend many of therapies for
0: raised by a
1: therapist so I am right there with you <laughs> no seriously well, Shane and I my fiance we have a thing where we just say to each other I see you and it's almost like a reset or an earthing mm. and a grounding of just you know I see you I see how hard you're working or I see what you're struggling with and it, again they just those simple words really make it it's almost like a like a warm hug of words but yeah communication is key but my goodness, I get moody. I'm, I'm sure you're the same. <laughs> you know, sometimes oh. you, you can be as as positive or as, you know, holistic or grateful or whatever you want to call it, but at the end of the day, sometimes it just really sucks. Sometimes, you know, the past few weeks when I've been crippled over in like gut-wrenching pain and I've been throwing up or it sucks and I'm moody and especially if you have gut problems, 70% of your serotonin is in your gut There's a gut-brain connection there that is getting studied, which I'm so excited about because it's such an amazing frontier. But, like, if your gut's not happy, like, you're not going to be happy. So sometimes I'll just say, "I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to snap at you. I'm just feeling really unwell right now. And he'll go, it's okay, I see you.
0: You know, the words, I was wrong. I am sorry. Are like the and I love you are like the the rotating phrases through um like any sort of like one on one connection with anyone for a long like I say to my kids all the time. Wow, I'm sorry, I screwed that up. That was where I totally messed up here. I will say it to my husband. He gets many phone calls of I was being a total bitch. I'm sorry, you didn't deserve yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I always come around. He's just better at marriage than I am. So there's that.
1: <laughs> Shane Shane's a bit better at that too. I I have to work on. I'm sorry a bit more. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's good. So I wanted to talk to you because I actually have never seen you until right now, and some of the stuff that you're talking about while we're walking makes so much more sense to me when you're talking about like the the thing I deal with too, which is the. But you look fine, yeah. but you look great, and I'm looking at you going, "You look like the models I used to hire for ad campaigns." So I can only imagine for you, like what that's like that people look at you and they're like, "But I want to look like you. I want." you must be so healthy. You look fantastic. Like, how is that for you where you're like another like justifier? Like, I feel like that's almost an insult when someone's like, but you look great today. I'm like, what? I'm like, no, that was a compliment. That was a compliment. I've got to remember that was a compliment.
1: Yeah. And again, it's, it's trying to step back and go, they're not being malicious. They're not pegging you down, but you kind of go like when I, when people say that to me, you kind of feel like you want to do a laundry list of Well, no, actually, I'm just wearing some tinted moisturizer (laughs) right now and that glow on my skin is actually artificial. Um, I had my head in the toilet at 3 a.m. I'm on painkillers right now. But then you go... Becca, you're validating yourself. But again, it's that thing of like, no, but I want them to know that I'm not okay. But then why do you want them to know that you're not okay? Because it took a lot of effort to get <laughs> out of the house right now. That. It's, it's I see like, you. I hear true. you. Yes. <laughs> why do we're all absolutely loopy? We've just got this this like internal rhetoric that people don't have to deal with. It's like, okay, I get up for work, I go. Again, everyone has their challenges. Absolutely not Not saying that or undermining anyone else. But, no, but- it, is, it is really hard. It, it is. And – I think a lot of it actually has to do with I eat very well. I, I have to eat very well. I, I can't eat a lot of the crap that people shouldn't eat but, but do anyway. I think that shows through. I Especially when I was very unwell, I had an amazing integrative doctor helping me um, who was balancing the strong meds with, you know, integrative holistic stuff. But, yeah, it, it, it can be very, very undermining when it takes – all your effort to get out of the house and someone's like, oh, I don't know what's wrong. You look great. <laughs> um,
0: and in this culture, we we put such a value on one particular look and one particular body type, and that's really coming through my head right now because I'm raising a daughter who is of the yeah. age that she's watching all the YouTube and she's seeing all these body types. And um, that's really hard because there's one particular thing that everyone's being told, that's what you should look like. So I keep trying to talk to her about we're looking for strength and health. Like that's where your focus needs to be on because that's an an unending pit when you like because I was in ballet but I don't look like you I my problem was always that I I was built like Jessica Rabbit and that was never going to change <laughs> so
1: the body type oh, was always like the first the and foremost yeah I was a stick and then I I didn't get my period till I was nineteen this was and this was all to do ah, with being well not ballet and then yeah. suddenly I just got these breasts that just <laughs> Like what happened to my balance? No, seriously, it was crazy. And just talking about identity and stuff, because I was teased at school for not having anything, being flat-chested, and then I lost ballet, and then my body really changed, and I got really unwell, and it was oh, it was a lot. But yeah, it, raising daughters is. Uh, Shane laughs that he thinks that we're going to have four four girls, and I go, I hope not. Cause I think I only have the energy to raise one girl in this current climate.
0: <laughs> I, I have one of both and they are amazing humans and I am so grateful for both of them. They challenge me every single day. And so the only thing I will say before you have kids is just be ready to have a mirror put in front of you with your best and your worst every second of your life from here on out. Like that's, <laughs> that's the takeaway. You will go through the most intense therapy that no therapist could ever put you through. <laughs> it's, it's pretty extreme, but wonderful. Um, so one of the things I was trying to get through was, um, get through, I'm so sorry, my words, um, <laughs> it was a long night last night of, uh, trying to figure out which painkiller was actually going to let me sleep. So,
1: um, <laughs> uh brain fog brutal. is such a nice friend, isn't it? Oh, we love brain fog.
0: <laughs> I am so grateful to all of our listeners who do not seem to yell at me. At least they're not writing me any emails about like, God, woman, you just cannot keep an interview going. So at least some of you guys seem to understand that, like. I'm so much smarter than I come across, I think is
1: how that should, should play oh, no, out. Oh, I I get that. I get, I, sometimes I'm like, I come across as the biggest just dummy. And it's like, no, my, my brain, the synapses is just, I can see it. They're just not connecting because they're just, yes. there's just a lot of fog in there.
0: <laughs> I remember what I was going to ask you about So I had just done an interview with um, Eva, who's sometimes co-hosts on the show. And we were talking about what it was like to be sick as teenagers and young women and how that framed what our life decisions were. So you lost ballet. What did this do about school for you? Like how did this being sick at such a formative age where you're just trying to decide who the hell you are anyway and then start your dreaming? What, what did that skid change, reinforce for you?
1: Yeah, so it changed a lot, actually. Uh, so I didn't actually finish traditional schooling. I didn't go to grade 12. I think had I not been unwell and ballet just didn't work out, I would have gone back to school. Uh, so that period of... Oh, it was probably seventeen to twenty one was just a haze of of poor health and just working odd jobs here and there when I could um and just trying to come to terms with this body that was just not doing what it was told and getting sicker and sicker but just not finding any answers or support uh, and then i i was i had I, I call it I'd lost my stage I lost my ballet stage I lost my creative outlet And I was like, okay, well, what, what can you do? I, I, I'm smart. I, I, I still want to go to university. I think it's took me, it's took me a long time to work through. And I, I'm someone who, when I'm working out ideas, I don't actually talk about it. I internalize, maybe I need to Work on that too. <laughs> Shane, Shane will probably agree with that. But anyway, I went the long way around and started university when I was twenty-one as a mature age student. That's what your that's what your class says is, is twenty-one. I uh, decided to to do journalism, or major in broadcast journalism, because I was like, oh well, I have a voice. I I I'm inquisitive. I, you know, and and going to university for me was so much more than a degree. It was about that community that I'd lost but because I didn't have my grade 12 leaving certificate that we call the HSC in Australia I had to do so much to get Mm. academic credits I had to do all the essays and all the work experience and all the things to prove that I was getting that one of 14 spots that I got I got that one of 14 spots um that was Designated for for um, mature age students, and it was you know I, I I got into one of the best journalism degrees in Australia, and I it was hard it was very hard, and especially with journalism. There's a lot of practical work. They push you out there like you're young journalists. So yeah, it was it was challenging, but I gripped my teeth and I said no, I, I've fought tooth and nail to get here, and there's no way that I'm I'm not doing this. But it, it was very hard the workload. I had to get special dispensations a lot of the time. Which played into me going, you're weak, you're a failure. You, why, why do you need special needs help? But I did it, and I came out with a broadcast journalism degree um, without getting my HSC. So it's possible. I call myself Miss. <laughs> I call myself Miss Detour. There's there are there are ways, and I think that ties back into what you say to people who are sick. It's like, okay, well you haven't done this particular, you know, you haven't gone down this particular straight path. But you know what? There's so many other paths and they're, they're scenic. They've got bumps. <laughs> but I'm sure there's some beautiful coastal views and I'm sure there's some beautiful forest views that you go through and you'll get there. And what is there though? And and I think that's assessing that as well. What success, what are the things that I want and, and, and defining that and, and not seeing your, your illness as something that pulls you back. But it may just be something that you get in five years instead of three years. If if we're talking in terms of a degree, but yeah, it, it, it really stole my identity. I was going to be a prima ballerina of the Royal Ballet in London. I was I was told that from a very young age, which I think is dangerous because children don't know what the real world is. But I was on a very, I was very, very, like, vast projectile to that. But my body decided otherwise, and here I am. <laughs>
0: so how has your definition for success changed?
1: A lot, and it's something that I'm doing a lot of personal work on right now because I am of an age where, you know, people are getting married, they're having their children, they are, you know, at the upper echelons of whatever career because, you know, if you don't have the challenges in life, you go to college, you get the job, you do that, you know, which to me sometimes sounds a bit boring. But if you compare me on paper to – some of my friends or just, you know, peers, I am quote unquote behind. I am. But especially since moving to LA, I have to make sure that I don't compare Sydney Becker to LA Becker. And even then Sydney Becker was behind a lot of her peers too. Uh, I think, you know, I, I want to have a baby. But right now that's not that's not possible. I'm not physically there right now. We're not there mentally. You know, we've got other things we want to do as a, as a unit, as, as Becca and Shane. And it's releasing that going, actually, you don't want that right now. And that doesn't mean that you're not at where you should be. It's where you are and where you are is perfect. It's all perfect. And it's going to come when it comes. And when it comes, you'll be ready for it. Uh, and, I can put that in all aspects of my life. It's it's hard, and it's there's many pages of my journal that are like, no, it's <laughs> you are enough. You are enough. <laughs> Did you read that book? No, I haven't. Is there a book called You Are Enough? There is a book called You Are Enough, and um, anyone who
0: knows me knows I am a snarky, snarky snarky-ass bitch. And um, I couldn't even do Lamaze because I was too snarky to be in a class where someone told me what to do. It was never going to be okay. And so, like, self-help books are not my bag. I just – I can't. I don't. It's not my thing. Someone forced this on me, and I'm really glad they did, and it was this whole book called You Are Enough. And I sat there and openly cried while reading it. It was – Intense. It was actually an Australian who actually got me to read that book. Um, oh, well, wait, right. So there you go. Yeah, well, Australians are awesome, and I could listen to you talk all day, so that's fine, too. Um, but the um, the whole premise is, is that you are enough, exactly who you are, exactly what you are right now. That's enough. And I've been like... That's practically tattooed on me along with the, you don't owe anyone pretty. Like those two things are like, I'm just trying, like pretty is not a rent you pay to be in this world. Because that's been hard with like the new medications are changing my body, they're changing how I look. Uh, My ability to do a makeup routine obviously did not happen today. So it's been very strange to have gone from being a very vain teenager to being like, I put on jeans today. Jeans. They button. I didn't wear, I mean, granted the system a pajama top, but I am actually wearing jeans right now. It's, it's impressive.
1: I away from pajamas. I I haven't worn anything with flair right now. It's, It's moo-moos or stretch pants. Yeah. Some of them are cute, but even then, (laughs) oh, no, a zipper? You don't come near me. Well, yeah. (laughs) That's that's totally it. It's it's working out what your bar is and going, hey, you did that. You got out of the house. And that might be just absolutely just stock standard for Joe Blow Down the Block. But for you, who was up all night dealing with medications or whatever you're dealing with, that's huge and pat yourself on the back for that. And I think that's often what we don't do because we are now with social media and just being so connected, bombarded with what we should be or what we should be doing. And you see this with young mothers, and I see this with <laughs> a lot of friends. Like, you should be this, and you should be that, and you should be breastfeeding your kid, and you should be, you know, and it's like, oh God, someone just come in and let that woman have a shower and hold their child. Oh, my God. Yes. When do we get so judgmental about
0: everything? Like, if your yeah. job as not being the mom is to make the mom feel happy and safe and uh, take the baby, let her shower, let her do something. But it, it does bring up that interesting concept of what do we owe the world as rent? Like, what, what do we owe, if anything? And when we're, like, women, I feel like there's our female identifying, however you want to identify female, is, is this idea that, we owe that pretty above and beyond everything else. Like, I can't tell you how many times when I'm making political statements, someone will go, well, you're ugly. I'm like, maybe, but who cares? Like, that has nothing to do with what I'm saying. It's almost like we can erase the voice if someone is pretty or ugly, but the looks are like what, what it goes to. And it's a very strange thing. And then it's like, you're sick and you have no control over your body or what happens. And that's like, okay, so now I'm not paying the rent literally um yeah <laughs> the hard discussion I had to have with my daughter was like I'm sorry I want to be this kind of mom this is the mom I'd wanted to be but I'm too sick to be consistent and that's like a big thing in parenting is being consistent and I'm like that sucks yeah. for you and your brother that's awful there's a lot that I screwed up because I was too sick or too tired to do what was supposed to be done so it's like this constant like okay well <laughs> so what am I giving out like what what is that that we are are doing and that's such a big it's such a guilt point, depending on what time of the month it is, depending on how sick I am, depending on how, how the last few weeks have gone. But those are questions that have been going through through my diary.
1: <laughs> and I think from your perspective, and this is coming back to giving yourself a pat on the back, you do the best you can with what you have at hand. And guilt, I'm marrying into a Jewish family, so I'm getting ah! a crash course in guilt. It's you can talk to my mom. She can tell you all about marrying into a Jewish family. <laughs> Oh my goodness, as they're, they're as, a hoot. Yeah, super they're, fun. <laughs> oh, It's hilarious. But uh, I think guilt is there for, for things when you've, you know, you've robbed a bank. I think mm. you should feel guilty about that. But in terms of you with your your kids, you've done the best you could do with what you had at hand. And being racked with guilt that they didn't get what you wanted it. That's just making you sicker. That's just zapping energy and mental, mental fortitude that you need to get through your day. And I bet they adore you. And I bet you're the best mother in the whole entire world. Oh, I'm
0: just going to record this and just like keep playing (laughs) this on playback every morning. You're good. (laughs)
1: But but I, I think that's the thing. People with chronic illness, we don't give ourselves the props that we need to do a lot of the time. And, and we're different absolutely but does it mean that it we're, we're worse no it doesn't at all and it may actually make you more empathetic it may make you more compassionate and I know it has for me you understand what suffering is you understand what pain is you understand what missing out on things are uh I know I am the person I am today because of because of what what I've gone through and and I know I bring that into my relationships that people are like Becky, you're so you make me feel you make me feel okay. And maybe that's because I just want people to make me feel okay. Maybe that's some sort <laughs> of thing. But yeah, I, I I think coming back to what we owe, I think it's I think it's being a kind person. Really, I think as as we say in Charlotte, just don't be a dick. Mm. Basically, be a nice person and and generally genuinely ask how someone is and listen. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and I I don't think people do that really. I think people listen to respond they don't listen to listen uh and i know i know i've wanted that a lot especially on this this journey of feeling quite isolated and and unwell
0: so what do you want people to understand about like your daily life
1: that it can be bloody hard (laughs) (laughs) i do
0: Um, love how you australians
1: swear it's perfect (laughs) Oh, we we like someone should start a podcast called Australian slang and swearing people would just sit and listen to it i would <laughs> it'd be quite funny you'd have to get these two like Aussie blokes doing it but uh, yeah it, again it's that grappling of like well why do you need them to know everything but i think maybe coming back to why i have to cancel or why i can't come to things i'm not a flake and when i say i'm in bed mm. i'm actually in bed and when i say i'm housebound I'm actually housebound, and me like walking around the block. If I've been able to go for like a little block walk these past few weeks, that's been bloody huge for me. Uh, yes, I may look well, but I'm not. But I've got my brave face on. I th- I think I told you if I'm wearing bright lipstick, you know that I've got my warrior <laughs> face on.
0: Uh, I uh, didn't do that yes. for work.
1: Mac Red is mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like Nars; they're very, very <gasps> long-lasting. I've got
0: a bright. Uh huh. One. I have one that I wore for my wedding and it lasted the entire day into three o'clock in the morning. Did not have to reapply. Go NARS. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. And I think just having, you don't, you don't have to know Crohn's. You don't have to know everyone's thing, but just taking what I say for face value and not questioning it. Mm. And <laughs> I, I think I, I have one particular person in my life who thinks that, the way I am and the way I feel is very tied with with my emotions, which, yes, anxiety plays a big part in, in all in all chronic diseases, especially stomach-related ones. But, oh, but you're in a better environment now. Why are you still sick? And I have to go, oh, well, I'm sick because I've been on two international flights. I've moved house. I've done this. I've done that. But also, do you know what? I just – I have an autoimmune disease and sometimes it just decides to not be happy with me Um I think just taking things for face at face value. I'm not well, great. Okay, Bex, I'll give you a call next week and see how you are. Or is there anything I can do for you? You're unwell. Do do you need anything? I, I, do you need me to go to the shops for you?
0: Mm. (laughs) That's, that's helpful. What's not helpful, at least for me is the, well, my aunt's cousins, dog walkers, goldfish sitters, uh, tried this pill that I am now selling. And I think it would make you all better. like, I just, I can't. If you don't have, like, a medical degree and I didn't make an appointment to see you, please don't give me medical advice. Please. Yeah. I'm begging you. But, like, calling me up and asking me, can I do something for you? And then actually having, like, a suggestion for that because my brain fog will actually stop me from thinking of what someone can do for me. Like, hey, so, has your daughter been outside in a while? Or D- dogs? Do you want me to walk your dogs? I could do Like, I'd be all over that. Like, that's yeah. that's the, such a
1: good suggestion. The unsolicited advice is... I think that's a life mantra that everyone needs to to adhere to. If someone doesn't ask for advice, don't give mm. them to them. Just don't. As as well meaning as it is, because look, I have a wealth of health knowledge. You know, I've I said it's been 18 years. I've I've been to every doctor and every well, I haven't been to every doctor, but I've been to a lot for many ailments. I know a lot about health. If you ask me, I'll I'll tell you what I've been through and I tell you what works for me. I will never put that on anyone. If you don't ask
0: me, great and if you're selling something don't don't oh my just god, don't I never, i've just never had that oh my oh, goodness i have lost so many friends because they started some nutrition like pyramid scheme and like you can't oh. talk to them again without them being but if you're just on this it would be better it's like oh god just Oh, no, you so, actually have no yeah. idea. <laughs> no, no. Uh, and the idea that I get better is really cute too. I'm like, this is in my DNA. Like there's really no vegetable that's going to, I say berries are not going to change my DNA. It's just not how that, that plays
1: yeah, it's, out. It's, it's undermining, isn't it? I think I I think that's the what I was trying to say. D- don't undermine. That's good, yeah. Don't have to understand it, but take what they're saying at face value and don't undermine and ask so many questions that, One is just exhausting and two makes the person feel they have to validate that they're unwell because sometimes we just want flashing neon signs saying Crohn's disease or, you know, whatever you're dealing with. Um, Don't talk to me. I'm going to bite your head off because I'm in, like feels like someone's stabbing my tummy. Like,
0: You know, I just started a line of t-shirts that um, answers what happened to you. And it's just like silly answers, like alien invasion, fight with pirate. I'm like, just, I'm going to start wearing these all the time just because I'm always either in a cane or in a wheelchair. Like, I'm so tired of like trying to come up with something quickly off the top of my head when I'm in pain. I'm like, I just have a t-shirt that will say it, that will, that'll make it easier.
1: And (laughs) that's a whole other level that I can't appreciate. Like I've obviously had, you know, when my, my, my back or my pain is, is bad, but I don't have people coming up and saying what's wrong with you and I I have such respect and admiration for, you know, my my brother-in-law was in a very bad skiing accident so he's had a lot of surgeries and has had acute injuries that that have put him in wheelchairs and I I was over there helping out and and the amount of questions are what did you do, what did you do and again all from well-meaning people that are just trying to make uh, make you feel seen but after the third time, oh. I looked at him and go, do you want me to answer for you? Like, <laughs> it's hard. It is really hard. And I feel like it's, you know, like all pregnant women who who don't want to be touched. It's like, just get personal space. Like, don't need to. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: that's, that's going to be fun for you.
1: <laughs> I recommend barbed wire. Oh, gosh. Just,
0: that That works really well.
1: Or just, just uh, stern looks. Just like.
0: you, you could probably do it. I um, unfortunately have Bambi eyes and I can't do stern if I, I just can't. <laughs> I default on annoyingly cheerful. So it's um, I can't do stern. I try. A, My kids laugh. It's like, yeah, the dogs are even like, no, she really doesn't mean it. It's okay. <laughs> She'll fall asleep before she can actually
1: get around to yelling there are worse things than having bambi eyes
0: Uh, sometimes but you do have the huge downside of people don't assume you need help either where like someone will look at me and be like oh my god take the seat now like sit down you should not be standing sit and you might be like in massive gastric distress and no one's going to be like please please you poor thing sit down here's a heating pad
1: here's some tea like that's a good point so in Australia um Especially in, city, well, in city, all the towns, we have amazing public transport, which is something I've had to experience in LA.
0: Ah, no. what, what, what? You have public transport in LA now? When did that happen?
1: Yeah. It doesn't really go anywhere. <laughs> they're, they're working on it. but
0: uh, Sorry, everyone in, who is in, international and not in California, public transportation in LA is a journey. It's really about the journey because you're never getting to a destination. So.
1: I don't. They better... <laughs> actor, because they're getting the Olympics and I just keep saying no events are ever going to run on time Because oh no sorry they're just stuck on the 405 yeah. that's fine oh my fine. god <laughs> you say bolts just on the 405 he'll, he'll be here in a minute I do uh, not miss
0: Southern California at all <laughs> not even a little bit I'm sorry everyone who lives down there that's listening I I love you guys I could I survived nine months in Orange County that was it. Nine months, See, that's and I not flew even home. in LA. No, it's not, and it was still. I I could not hang. I had to move back home as quick as my little tail could get back up to Oakland. <laughs> oh, you
1: learn you learn the the tricks. It took me a while, but yeah, you definitely learned the tricks. But in Australia, I was getting the train, and I lived yeah. on the harbour, so I was getting the ferry. And I I I do remember when I was a young girl, uh, and. I did have nice gentlemen just give me their seats because they're chivalrous. But there ah. was—I remember one particular time—and I was feeling so unwell. But why would why would an able-bodied twenty-something? ask for it for a seat and you just had to suck it up. And I remember standing there for 45 minutes until I got home, just it was in peak hour. So there just wasn't any seats going, oh, this is really not fun. And I'm, I kind of want to be crouching down crying right now, but I can't, you have to brave face it. And I, I, that is, that's one of my masks. And I think that's a lot of our masks. It's the brave face mask. No wonder we we get moody or no wonder we just kind of want to cry a lot of the time. It's exhausting. It's a really exhausting mask to put on.
0: (laughs) I think ballet actually trained us so well for that mask. (laughs) like, I danced without – I didn't use toe pads at all, so I would dance just bare toe. And I would have bleeding feet, like, coming through the toe shoe, and I'd still have that ballet smile plastered on. Like, I can – unless you are married to me, I gave birth to you, you probably do not know if I'm hurting, like,
1: ever. Yes, absolutely. And that takes – for me to be entirely vulnerable takes a long time. I'll (laughs) tell you you my life story. Yeah. But for me to actually – let my guard down and cry and say this is really hard. I can't keep doing this. Yeah. Takes a long time, and uh-huh. then I think that's that thing of going, oh well, they're going to run away or they're going to abandon me because I've experienced that in relationships where people are just so like, too hard. I can't deal with you. Bye. Um, so yep. there is that. I'm, I'm a burden. I'm again. I'm not enough. Mm. I'm too hard. I'm the sick girl. All those type of things. It's it is a really hard dance to to, to play or, um, to do vulnerability is, is, is a tricky one.
0: It reminds me of uh, Hans Christian Anderson's red shoes of, um, the dancing until you die. Like with that smile, like you can just keep thinking this podcast has been like almost my therapy because I can't afford therapy in this country and state so I do this podcast and um I've never admitted before publicly that I have depression I'd never admitted publicly that I have times where this is just really really hard and this is not this is not the um duck swimming thing where all the feet are going like this and like just smooth waters like there's so much to keep any of this going and how scary it yeah. can be and this, this has been hard to be public. Like, I wasn't in public with my husband until we've been best friends for three years. Like, it's that vulnerable, that yeah, little underbelly. We almost,
1: we almost test people in a way. There's that yeah. thing of like, okay, I'm going to give you a little crumb and see how you can deal with that. Oh, my God, and yes. And if, if, if you can deal, you know, all right, I'll give you a little bit more and I'll tell you. The mental health aspect has been incredibly difficult for me. And even now, Shane, I'll say to things of like, no, well actually when the chronic pain was really bad when I was in hospital, my mental health was actually tested to be worse. Which again, you can understand. I was a young girl, I had lost i had lost my dream. My body was absolutely hating me. So again, not not, not a hard formula there, but you know, saying to him, no, I was, I was really depressed. I was suicidal. I was on antidepressants and of late over the past, you know, five to seven years, it's been anxiety for me. And I i am lucky that I have quite a few close girlfriends who suffer from anxiety. So there's, there's that community there, but there is such a stigma to, to mental health. And as I said, at the beginning of, of our chat, it goes hand in hand with, with chronic illness. And it's not hard to, to see why. You know, depression is is because you've you're hopeless. You've got nothing to get up for. But often when you're sick, you can't get out of bed. You literally can't get up. You can't go to the things that bring you joy and you constantly have to pull up from your well mm. and your your like pick yourself up and sometimes I'm like I just can't pick myself up anymore. My well is empty. My cup does not fall over. <laughs>
0: Um, you're going to have to come back on and we're going to have to do a panel on mental health and chronic illness um, because we have lots to talk about there. Even, yeah, especially with like even with unexpected side effects from medication.
1: Oh, oh, yeah.
0: And I would really love to have
1: that talk. I I can tell you about a very, very dark day in the hospital where I don't remember any of it, but I wanted to jump off the roof. So So
0: we're at an hour and we will have that discussion because I I think that's something that we don't get to talk about. It's really scary to bring up with your doctor, especially here where you can get 5150 or you can get put on a list that means that it would be hard for you to get your painkillers. There is a lot of things that can go wrong when you talk about your your mental health state with your doctors. Not that I'm saying you should not talk about your mental health state and I am not giving medical advice. Please don't sue me. I don't have money anyway. Um But these are all things that we all consider, and that's why we have this podcast, is so that if you can people can hear what this is like. And that is one of the concerns when you're having mental health issues. So we actually got way to an hour, way faster than I wanted to. I had so much else, but you are gonna come back, and I yes. really appreciate that. So um We're a baby podcast. If you hear this and you think that there's someone in your life who should, needs to, or would want to hear this, please share us with them. The nicest thing you can do for us is to go over to iTunes, write an embarrassing latest thing about us. We do not take ads, so if you go to Patreon and support the sick people, it's expensive being healthy in America. Um, And until
1: next week, be kind, be gentle, and be a fucking badass.